Mercy House. This is your pastor speaking. I am uh, re-recording a sermon that I did a couple of weeks ago that was part of the Acts uh, Learning to Pray series. It, it did not, uh, the recording did not work in the service for some different reasons. And so we thought, well, at least we could put the content on the on the website so I'm you know sitting in my kitchen so if you hear like the coffee maker go off or something that's that's what's going on um, we've been learning to pray over the last few weeks we've gone through this acrostic acts which is used by lots of different Christians uh, I don't even know where it came from but it's helpful um, the the letters stand for adoration which is just acknowledging God for who he is uh, confession uh, acknowledging our own sin before uh, God, and then thanksgiving, which is acknowledging God for what he does. And then the S is for supplication, and that is the final sermon in the series. It's uh, done by Jake Blackwood. And I think uh, when, we th when we think about thanksgiving, I, I think most of us think we've kind of got this down. Like, we like to get stuff from God, and then the least we could do is give thanks. Uh, kids do this pretty well. You know, when you when you pray with a small child, it's usually thank you for my family and for ice cream and my dog Sam. Uh, I think if we're honest, though, as adults, we don't do much better. Uh, we like to give thanks for, again, things that we get that we like to get. But in the Bible, we see verses... Uh, like these three, 1 Corinthians 1, 4, Paul writes, I give thanks to my God always. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, Paul writes, I give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ for you. Or Ephesians 5, 20, giving thanks always and for everything. So when I read those verses, I start to think, well, perhaps my Thanksgiving could use some maturation. Thanksgiving really isn't that easy if it's in light of those kinds of verses. And so I, I hope that our time today would cause us to better understand uh, how we are to be thankful uh, to God for the things that he does and how that uh, might stir in us just a greater appreciation for, for God and, and, and what he does as we, as we enter into this uh, as people who pray. So let's look at Luke 17, verses 11 through 14. It's a very short parable. I'll go ahead and just read through it. It said, One of the, on, the, on the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Uh, leprosy, both in the Old Testament and New Testament, is, is kind of a blanket term for a number of skin diseases of all kinds that uh, would have, could uh, be a cause for you to be ostracized from society. Uh, there was a sense in, in which uh, having leprosy caused you to be unclean, not just physically, but societally and spiritually. And the reason for that is because there were laws in the Old Testament that were pretty clear that if you had leprosy, 
you had to be kind of quarantined outside of the community. And that certainly had some physical, physiological uh, benefits in keeping things from spreading to other people, but it also was communicating some things about uh, the nature of sin. And the temple priests uh, were the overseers of all this. They, they were not only just the pastors who had to teach the, the Bible, but they also had to like look at skin diseases and determine whether or not they were indeed leprosy. They also were the overseers of when you would be reinstated after being cleansed from leprosy. I don't have time to go into it, but in Leviticus 14, it goes through the details of what a priest would need to do. And, and so the priest would, would oversee the whole thing, and they would offer sacrifices for the person. So again, there's a spiritual component to it. There's also uh, this like, like ritual cleansing part. So they shave hair, and they wash with water, and... Again, you see a lot of this in Old Testament laws, um, this idea of the physical and the spiritual being coupled together. And this is what we have here in uh, these laws about leprosy. And so if you were cleansed of leprosy, you were then reconciled with society. You were reconciled with God. It wasn't just a physical thing. It was a societal and a spiritual thing. And so as these ten lepers are walking to the temple and are, are, they experience this healing from Jesus, uh, they experience like, the greatest gift that you could ever imagine. They didn't just receive physical healing. They were reconciled in their relationships with human beings and in, with their relationship with God. And so what's their response to this amazing gift? Again, in, in verse 15, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Dun, dun, dun. So one of these men turns back to re-engage with Jesus. And he does two things. He praises God and he gives thanks to Jesus. He praises God. He participates in adoration, right? The first part of the acrostic acts that we've been looking for. Uh, at, he, it says he, he praises God with a loud voice. He, he is acknowledging God for who he is. Now, there's no details about how he goes about this, what he praises God for, but there are a number of things he could have praised God for. He could have said, God, you are a healer. God, you are powerful. God, you are merciful. God, you are loving. God, you are good. There's a number of things he could have said that would have been in line with adoration. But then he also gives thanks so he's acknowledging God for what he does. And again, we don't know exactly the details of how he gives thanks to Jesus, but there's a number of things he could have said. He could have said, thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for giving me back my health. Thank you for giving me back my family. Thank you for giving me back my friends. Thank you for giving me back my job. Thank you for giving me back my neighbors. Well, not all my neighbors, but, but most of my neighbors. I, I thank you, Jesus, that, that you give me, you've given me back my town and my holidays and my food and my favorite cafe and that I get to hold hands with my wife and I get to kiss my kids uh, goodnight uh, and I get to sleep in my own bed. All these things have been given back to him by God and he's giving thanks. It, it reminds me of the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. You may have watched it. It's, it's a Christmas time favorite, and George Bailey, who owns this savings and loan, has uh, a mishap where he loses a whole bunch of money, 
and he's going to lose his savings and loan. He might even be put into prison, and uh, he just absolutely goes into a spiral. Uh, he is angry with his wife. He is angry with his kids. He becomes suicidal. He's standing on a bridge. He's about to jump into the bridge and kill himself. And he absolutely just hates his life. Um, and and then um, the rest of the of, of, of the movie is him being shown what life would be like if he wasn't there. And so this angel named Clarence gives him a little tour of what life would be like without him. And when he sees that, when he sees that when his life is taken away from him, uh, he is then very distraught again. And now he's saying, I want to live, I want to live. And his life is given back to him. It's the same old life. It's the same old job, same family, same wife, same town, all the same stuff, except this time, George Bailey is not despairing. He is rejoicing. He is full of, of, of joy about being alive. And so he goes back through all these things that in the beginning of the movie he was hating on, and now he's rejoicing. Down to uh, the drafty old house that he lives in and the little piece of the, the stairs that comes apart whenever you uh, grab a hold of it. Uh, he sees that he had a, a wonderful life, and it's been given back to him. And so it's similar to what's happening to these, um, these, these lepers. They're being given back their lives, and I'm, and I'm sure... They were running back to their wives or running back to their, to their children or running back to their jobs and, and, and with great joy. Except this one, this one doesn't do that. He runs back to God. He runs back to Jesus. And so what is Jesus' response to this? Because he did tell the guy, go to the priest and show him that you're cleansed. It, it, you know, is Jesus going to say, I'm angry with you because you didn't obey me or something like that? No, actually, it's the total opposite. Verse 17 says, then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So Jesus, he seems very pleased with the response of this one that turns back to give praise and thanksgiving to God and very unpleased about the lack of response from the other nine. And so Jesus uses this as a teachable moment, as he often does. And he contrasts the one with the nine, indicating that the nine failed to respond appropriately to the healing. And he points out that it is a Samaritan, dun dun dun, that is the one who responds appropriately. Now, Samaritans were considered half breeds by the Jews, that they were Jew and Gentile mixed, which is a big no no in the Old Testament. Because of that, they're viewed as outsiders. And so this guy is like an outsider times two. He is a leprous Samaritan. So what is Jesus getting at here in regard to thanksgiving? So I think there's at least four things, and here they are. So number one, God desires for us to give him praise and thanksgiving. God desires that. Number two, those who view themselves as insiders tend to feel entitled to the good things that happen in their lives, which results in a lack of praise and thanksgiving. Number three, those who view themselves as undeserving outsiders tend to be more grateful for what they get from God. 
And number four, the only way to give authentic praise and thanksgiving to God is through faith in Jesus. So let's take a look at each of these one at a time. So number one, God desires for us to give him praise and thanksgiving. Now this goes without saying um, that, that acknowledging God for who he is and for what he does is the right thing to do. But why is it right? And it's right because God is worthy to be praised and thanked. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. But when we're doing it, we're doing what is true, what is right, what is real. Let's take a little glimpse into heaven where things are as they should be, right? Revelation 4, we're looking at, we're getting a glimpse of what's going on there. Revelation 4, 9, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him, who's seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who's seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. This picture of the whole earth behaving as it should. You have the animal kingdom, the, the living creatures bowing down. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament people of God bowing down in worship and thanksgiving to God. That's the 24 elders, the 12 and the 12, 12 tribes and the 12 uh, apostles. And, and what they're doing is good and it's right, it's true, it's, it's reality. God is worthy to be thanked and praised. Think about it this way. If you were uh, to take a trip to the Louvre, in Paris, which is the home of the Mona Lisa, and about six million people go through this part of the Louvre to see the Mona Lisa, and you, you walk in there, and you're bored. You're, you're off looking at your Instagram, looking at pictures of cats, and if we were to, to see you over there in the corner looking at cat memes, mm -hmm. we would say, this is not right. This is not what you should be doing when you're in the presence of the Mona Lisa. You, you should be admiring the Mona Lisa. You should be praising the Mona Lisa. You, you should be thankful for beautiful art that's being given uh, to you and responding appropriate, appropriately. Uh, now, I think most of us, many of us, at times at least, is we're kind of like that with God. We're able to come into the presence of God, but we're bored. We're bored with God. We're bored with his word. We're bored with um, him and more interested actually in Instagram or whatever, that our heart toward God is not adoration and thanksgiving. And part of that is because we feel entitled to the things that God does in our lives. And this is the number two, number two point here. Those who view themselves as insiders tend to feel entitled to what God does in their lives. This is what Jesus is pointing out. This, this, this leprous Samaritan was not an insider. This is a foreigner, and he calls him a foreigner. He says, this foreigner. And this is not Jesus trying to make him feel bad like he's on the outside. It's him accentuating the entitlement of the other nine. He, he's saying those other nine should know better. Those non-Samaritans should know that this was a grace from God and they should be giving praise and thanksgiving. 
But instead, they're saying, I deserve this healing. Uh, one of the ways to test yourself in this is to think about your level of contentment. Am I content with my job or my car or my house or my family, my, mar my marriage, my IQ, my church, my pastor? If we're honest, most of us, we spend a lot of time in angst over what we don't have and very little time praising and thanking God for what we do have. Uh, we're not like the Samaritan. Where we're running to Jesus every day and falling down at his feet and praising and thanking him for what we have. Mostly because we feel very entitled to what we have. And that's in part, for those of us that are Americans, we, we feel entitled pretty naturally just because of the culture that we lived in. But we're kind of uh, entitled times too. We're not only Americans, we're American Christians. And so even if you're not an American, you, you probably have some of this as well, that out of your culture you feel entitled, and then that when you're a Christian, you feel doubly entitled. Now you feel like it's God's duty to get those things that you feel entitled for or entitled to. This entitlement is a huge barrier for us in the giving of thanksgiving to God. We are the other nine. We get our healing and our response is, well, it's about time, God. Or, well, I have been praying a lot lately. I'm sure that's why I got healed. Or, I did use that new skin cream that I bought online. I, I'm thinking that maybe that was the cause of my healing. Or, yeah, I've got my skin healed, but man, I've still got a pain in my back that God hasn't healed yet. We're insiders. This brings us to the third point, that those who view themselves as undeserving outsiders tend to be more grateful for what they get from God. Jesus is always pointing out these responses of people who are on the outside. The Roman centurion who asks Jesus to heal his servant, and Jesus starts walking toward his house. He's going to go heal the servant, and he says, oh, no. You, you don't need to come under my roof. You just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus marvels at this outsider's faith. Or the Syrophoenician woman who is a Gentile and uh, is, is, is wanting a miracle. And he, she asked Jesus for the miracle. And Jesus says, uh, actually, the bread is for the children, not for dogs like you. And she says, well, even the dog gets the crumbs. And so it's a very strange story, but, but it's, a, again, Jesus marvels at this woman's faith. Or the woman who anoints Jesus' feet. He's at a dinner party with a bunch of religious leaders, none of which have uh, fulfilled the social protocol that would have been just expected culturally. Kissing him on the cheek, giving him water to clean up, uh, all, all just normal protocol. And, and then she comes in with, with tears, washing his feet, wiping them with her hair, and he points to the reality that she has authentic faith while these other ones don't. She is an outsider. I was speaking to a church in, in Texas in a small town while I was on, on my fundraising trip, and um, it's a church, good church, that believes the Bible, and I'm, I'm preaching this, you know, the, 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 the sermon, and most people are... You know, they're, they're attentive, but nobody's all that excited. 
from what I can see, at least nonverbal cues, except this one woman. And I mean, she is nodding her head, and she is making a few verbal affirmations, and I know who she is. I, I, I've met her before. Her name's Penny. And she's nodding in agreement with the gospel and how much the gospel means to her and how the gospel has changed her life. Because two years ago, at that very same service, she came in. Uh, she came in off the street. She's addicted to meth. She was fleeing a domestic violence uh, situation. And she heard the preaching that night, and she responded with faith. And she came down after the sermon. We talked. My dad and I prayed over her, and she received Christ by faith. And it has radically changed her life. And she even we even celebrated that as she came down after this sermon. And we talked about how uh, God had changed her life. And she's so grateful and, and just offering praise and thanksgiving to God so freely. Why? Because she was an outsider. She was an undeserving outsider that appreciates very much what God has done uh, for her. This brings us to the fourth one, because I think some of us are, are thinking, okay, well then what's wrong with me? Like, why, why am I not giving praise and thanksgiving uh, to God? And, and what you need to hear is that the only way to give genuine praise and thanksgiving to God is through faith in Jesus. Again, from Luke 17, hear what Jesus says to the Samaritan. He says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. That's a very strange statement. Didn't the other nine lepers get healing as well? They did. And evidently they don't have the faith that this Samaritan has. And so it causes us to ask the question, what's going on? And it seems obvious what Jesus is saying here. He is referring to, to a different healing than just the healing of someone's skin. He is referring to the spiritual healing that he has brought and he's come to bring to the human heart. That this Samaritan has genuine faith in Jesus. We might call it saving faith. And we know it's genuine, not just because Jesus says it is. I mean, obviously, if he says it's genuine, it's genuine. But, but we know it because of the fruits that it's producing. And the fruit that it's producing is praise and thanksgiving. And when someone has genuinely trusted in the grace of the gospel, and they've received forgiveness for their sin, the result is praise and thanksgiving. God does a supernatural work in our hearts such that we could give praise and thanksgiving to God. And it's the only way that anyone could ever give proper praise and thanksgiving to God. It's through an experience of saving faith in Jesus. Hear those verses again that I, that I shared with you at the beginning of the sermon, 1 Corinthians 1, 4, I give thanks to my God always for you. Really, Paul, how do you do that? Because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Or 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God. Oh, Paul, how do you do that? In Christ Jesus for you. Or Ephesians 5, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father Oh, how do you do that? In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see what Paul's saying? There? He, he's saying that, that, that authentic thanksgiving is only possible because of the grace that's been given to us in Jesus, and specifically the grace given to us at the cross. 
Grace that we were not entitled to. Grace that we did not earn. We were outsiders because of our sin. We were separated from God and others with no remedy whatsoever. And Jesus passed by. And we lifted up our voices and we said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he answered our cry by healing us. And he did so with a cure that cost him his life. And that cure not only saves us in this life, but it saves us in the life to come. So if you're not uh, a believing Christian, I want to encourage you to cry out to Jesus. He's passing by right now. You're listening to this sermon. You're considering this scripture that's in the book of Luke. And Jesus, through his word, is passing by. And you have the opportunity to cry out to him for spiritual healing. Ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, and to bring you into a relationship with God. A a relationship that will be characterized with things like praise and thanksgiving. If you're a believer, uh, to reflect yet again on the cure that Christ has provided for you, on the cleansing that he has given you, that you were once a Samaritan leper who had no hope and now have been brought into relationship with Christ. And, and, and that because of that, you can give thanks in every circumstance. And so how does this matter on Monday morning, tomorrow? You're going to get your Bible out, and you're going to get your prayer journal out, maybe, and you're going to spend some time in prayer, and you're going to go through the Acts acrostic, and you're going to get to Thanksgiving. And how, how are you going to thank God? And how are you going to thank God for more than just like ice cream and your iPhone 10? Uh, here's, some, here's some ways. Here's some ways. You can thank God always because your worst enemies of sin, death, and hell have been defeated. Always. That, that, that is something you can thank God for. That, those were your worst enemies and they're defeated. You can thank God because your worst suffering in this world is temporary. Because by grace, Jesus will come again and he will make things new. So you can thank God. Thank God whatever you're going through is temporary because Jesus is going to make all things new. You can thank God because you don't have to suffer alone because of grace. You, you not only are reconciled to God, you're reconciled with other brothers and sisters in the church. And so you live this out in community. And so you have reason to thank God. You do not have to suffer alone. Uh, you do not have to suffer alone because you've been given access to God through Christ. You, you can walk right into his throne room and you can ask for grace to help you in your time of need. And he is going to meet you. In that. You can thank God because your suffering is not meaningless. That because of grace, Jesus uses suffering to sanctify us, to make us holy, to make us more like him. And that is life-giving, regardless of what we might have to go through. And yes, we can thank God for his kindnesses. He does love to give good gifts to his children, physical healing, family, friends, possessions, education, job, pleasures. 
But these are things we are not entitled to. Therefore, there is even more reason to give thanks for these things if we don't look at them like insiders and become discontent because we don't have enough of these kindnesses from God. So take a minute to confess entitlement, discontent, and then turn to God with praise and thanksgiving.